Hello, I'm Mary Portas and this is The Kindness Economy, a podcast that looks at the new values driving the businesses of tomorrow, people, planet and profit, in that order. It's the future. Are you ready for better? They say small and medium-sized businesses are the backbone of our economy. For more like the legs, arms and head too. In fact, they account for 99.9% of the UK's business population. But it's often the larger companies that capture the headlines and dominate the conversation. And I don't understand why. Because for me, aside from just how crucial the small, medium businesses are to our economy, the passion, the integrity at the heart of so many of them is inspiring. Instead of the unwieldy disconnection found in many of their larger counterparts, small businesses are created and run by a person. That's a critical word here. Person. Not manager, director or CEO. They are deeply connected to their local communities. Their employees aren't just anonymous numbers on a payroll, but people they have relationships with. They are part of the day-to-day fabric of all our lives. And the humanness running through every layer of small businesses creates an intensity and density that quite simply is better and kinder. Their founders are visionary and thinker, doer and finisher. They have a huge emotional investment in their work. And despite what we're told, feelings are important in business. So today, I'm dedicating this episode to you small business owners everywhere. I know it's been a hard few years. I admire all you're doing, but keep the faith. I have no doubt the values so many of you embody will enable us to build a better future. I'm Mary Portas, and this is The Kindness Economy. Running a small business can be tough. I mean, you're not just the CEO, you're also the marketing, the finance manager and everything else in between. Technology, however, and digital tools can play a big part in taking on some of these tasks, giving you that much needed headspace to focus on running your business. But it's hard to know where to start, which tools are right for you, how do you go about integrating them and when is the right time to make the investment? MasterCard's Drive UK programme has been set up to make it easy for small business owners to access the support needed to digitise, whether that's incorporating accountancy tools or new digital payment methods. Through free guidance, helpful tools and personalised one-to-one mentoring, Strive is empowering small business owners across the UK to succeed. For more on how Strive UK could help your business, visit mastercard.co.uk slash drive. Okay, here's the show. My guest today is part of the Mastercard's Drive Network. Emma Jones is the founder of Enterprise Nation, a vibrant community of small businesses and business advisors that exists to shortcut the route to trusted business support. But more of that in a second. Emma also knows the journey of entrepreneurship firsthand. After a short career in the accountancy sector, she was bitten by the dot-com bug and set up a company called Techlocate, aged 27, from her and her co-founder's spare bedrooms in Manchester. Within two years, they successfully scaled and then they sold the company to a large group. And that experience of starting, 
growing and exiting a home business inspired her to help others do the same. Skip a few years later and Emma has also released a number of books about home working, exporting and side hustles. She became one of the co-founders behind the hugely important Startup Britain campaign, has lobbied the government, was awarded a CBE and with Enterprise Nation helped so many others along the way. Emma, thank you. Lovely to have you here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mary. I always look when I look at these CVs and you go, blimey, that's one woman who's achieved a lot. And I think it sounds scary, you know, for some women, or your small businesses to be hearing that. But, you know, then I look at your background, you know, you grew up in Shropshire, Newport, brought up by a mum who ran several independent restaurants and your first taste of business was as a waitress. So, so what was that like? Do you mind telling me what your childhood was like? Yeah, I love the fact you know more about me than I know about <laughs> me. So very well researched. Uh, what was it like being a waitress? You learn a good work ethic. Yeah. And especially when you're brought up by a mum who runs restaurants, you learn lots about customer service. And I always remember, actually, there's a gentleman called Mark Dixon, a great British entrepreneur who started Regis. So it's now called IWG, lots of serviced offices all around the world. I remember asking him once on an interview, what do you look for when you hire people? He said, I've always looked for people who worked in the hospitality industry. He said, because they tend to work when other people are on holiday. So you work weekends as a waitress because it's your busiest time. So therefore, they grow up with a work ethic of always feeling you're just always on work-wise. Well, did I get in, do you think? Because I was a shop girl. <laughs> you would definitely get in. I think yeah, you I should apply. Girl. Well, I think you either go in the shops or the waitering. I just, I, I didn't do waitering. I don't, I'm not sure I'm being good at that. But I I was 15, my first job in the little bread shop, you know, Saturday jobs. That's what you did. I mean, that's what we all did. That's what you do. You earn your pocket money. But, you know, the good thing about that, and I was reflecting on this the other day, is when you're waiting on or working in a shop, your job is to please people and yes. give them good experiences. Yeah. And so admittedly, that was many years ago and kind of fast forward to Enterprise Nation now. Our job essentially is to serve small businesses. And so in a way, you can say that was waitressing. You know, I now run a business support platform. Surely that's very different. But what you're doing is you're saying to people, how can we make your life better, more enjoyable? How can we kind of serve you with what you need? And on a kind of personal level, is it really I mean, this sounds a bit trite, but is it important that you make them feel happy because you want to do your best? I mean, all the successful career you've had, still at the end of the day, is it great when someone goes, that really helped me, thank you? Or, likewise, do you get hurt when they go, that didn't work very well for me? So I'll take the latter bit first. I still take it very personally Mm. if we get any criticism. And actually, you're always told you shouldn't take business personally. I very much do. Can I just say I disagree disagree. with that? Yeah, I totally... (laughs) It's like... I was writing this about in my book, Work Like a Woman, and I remember working a big corporate retail business and they fired one of the guys in it and the, the CEO said, don't take this personally. And you're like, "What? So, sorry? It's nothing to do with you personally. You're like, this is my work. How can this not be personal? I think there's a very interesting distinction between wanting to do a good job and then you take it personally when people imply you haven't. Yes. And having too much emotion vested in things. So as an example of this, I now run a business, 45 people. We're a small company, but kind of still growing. And we we were recently working on a potential transaction. And I took a decision to kind of walk away from it. And somebody said to me, who's my advisor, he said, you have two roles. You're a founder and a CEO of this company. So you have two roles. As a founder, you're pretty emotional about it because you start a business, you invest in it, you spend years working on it, your team feels like your family. 
but there are certain instances where you should act like a CEO. So take the emotion out of it. So I think there's that distinction and it's it's difficult to know. When do you put the emotion in? When do you not? Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. And I think that that, that CEO role is, is just removes yourself from sometimes that line that goes over into we are friends and family. Because quite frankly, and let's be, be honest here, friends and family you put up a lot of shit with, don't you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and especially when you have kids, you're like, what? I literally, but I'll still love you and come back. But you won't do that in business because there is a fine line. I often talk about this in the kindness economy. You know, I fire people. We have to mm. when they're not delivering mm -hmm. because there's an unwritten agreement between you that this is what we need to do. This is what we need to achieve. And I want you to be your best self doing it. And I want you to be free to express yourself whatever way. But if you fall short of that and you continually do that, then there is the family and friends bit sort of goes by the side there, doesn't it? Let's be honest. And they're the toughest conversations to have. Oh, my God, they're terrible. And the first tough thing that I had to learn in business as we were growing, I made a bad hire and I waited and waited to avoid having that conversation. So, again, any advice, and people will have heard this many times, you know, be quick. Well, take a long time to hire. Be quick to fire if it's not right. I'm with you. That was the first tip someone gave me. Hire slowly, fire quickly, yep. but magnificently. <laughs> I love that. Like, make them go out thinking, do you know what, this is a joint decision, which I really do try because actually it is. This isn't working for neither you of or us. Me. Yep. Yeah, but it's working for neither, isn't mm. it? So you kind of, yes. Oh my gosh, this is, we're starting off well on this already. So I've got all my little list of questions. I go, they're a bit boring. I'm not asking her that. <laughs> but I first, I, I, well, tell me what you uh, just background because was it when you could have your mother with a few little restaurants at a corner shop, or was it a big chain? Come on, were you, was it a wealthy family? Where were you? How many of you were there? No, it was, and in fact, she had one after the other. So I love the fact it's a chain. So we had we moved from one restaurant to the next. We quite often lived above it, but no, I came from a family where lots of our family have started businesses. I kind of grew up in this environment of if you want to generate your own income, you literally have to generate it yourself. But no not a rich family. Mum was a single mum, two kids. And so she worked really hard. And I guess quite often in life, you are what you've seen. And therefore, you know, she did work hard. The money came back into the family. She worked to put both of us as kids through a good education. And so she what kind of What sort of education that. did you have? Well, so I went to a girls' school. Mum kind of paid for that. And so she said, you know, I think it's important, even though, interestingly, I was pulled out of that girls' school in sixth form because she said, right, I think you've had too much of that influence. And again, kind of markers in life, I got a scholarship to go to an international college to do A-levels called Concord College. So you um, were bright. You were a bright kid. I'm not so sure. I don't think, no. Scholarship, I, you don't give those away. Well, so it wasn't brightness. And again, I wonder if there's something of this in business is I'm my brother, very academically bright, me not so. Where I try and overcompensate is work hard but also always hustling. And so actually when I went in for the scholarship interview, the principal, and, and bearing in mind, and actually it's the one thing, Mary, that always bothers me when kind of people who run businesses say I was just lucky because I'm not quite sure I believe in luck. I think you have to work hard to be in the right place at the right time. But my right place at the right time is the principal of this college had lots of international students and he was looking to actually put some British students into that college. So actually the year I joined, there were like 160 students and there were four Brits. So everybody else was from all over the world. Incredible, incredible education. So I was there at the right time because he said, I want some Brits. 
And I guess in my interview, I just said, this is the value I think I'll bring to your college. And I don't think it was in through the grades. Sure enough, I get into the college. We worked on the International Society. We kind of did promotion. So I think it's, again, advice for anyone who's kind of running a business. You're always hustling. You're always presenting yourself. You're always hoping that others put their confidence in you. But here's the thing. Did you think you had that value then? Or were you a bit like, oh, oh, oh. No, no, shake of their head. I thought that. So the hustle, when you say hustle, because it is interesting, and, I, you know, I've got, you know, children in their 20s, and I'm like, just keep going out there, just do your best, because everybody likes the one who just says, yes, I can do that, even if you can't. I can do that, I'll have a go. What do you mean by hustling? I mean exactly yeah. that. I mean having the confidence. And again, back to my mum, fortunately, I had a mum who always instilled in us, you can do anything. You know, I left Concord, I went to university and did law in Japanese, lived in Japan for a year, and it was always this, you can do anything. So when you're always told that, you feel that you can do something. And I agree, and again, at Enterprise Nation now, I've got a team of people, quite a young team, and the ones I love are exactly as you say, they're the ones who come forward and they say, right, I've got a new idea, can we try this? I can do it, I'm committed to doing it. That is harder, by the way, in the current work environment because you don't physically see people as much as you mm. used to. But absolutely, how about that? Me. Do you do, do how many? Do you have a, how many days is your office in? Yeah, so our office is open all days, but most people are coming in two days a week, and it's and you know every business is struggling with in? this. I'm in two to three days. Yeah, we're the but, same. But again, we're benefiting from and and every business owner I know is kind of saying, how can we work our way through it? Certainly at Enterprise Nation, we're benefiting from the productivity of the team working from home. What we're lacking is how do you continue to build a culture yeah. when people aren't together as much? So the way in which we're doing it is essentially through over-communication. So we communicate lots and lots of team socials. So we all go away together and that gives the team the opportunity to reconnect. Remember that they like each other. So yeah. when they're getting tense with each other again about something that's gone wrong, they can be like, actually, no, I like that person. But it's it's harder. So you just have to work harder at it. Yeah. Well, we'll see where that nets out in the end. You talk about, and I, I mentioned, but, you, you know, integrity, working hard, hustling, people being at the centre of it. Are you feeling that there is a new shift and era in business that's coming in? I mean, I emphatically believe it, but there's also the old school of doing stuff, which is individualistic and let's make as much money and actually uh, all that sort of fluffy stuff is, is not really what's happening. Have you seen a change the years that you've been in business? 100%. Mm. So you referenced my first business that I started was in the year 2000, so 22 years ago. And when I think back then, and you're right, people started businesses and everyone was in it for themselves. Mm. So it's been huge. So if I look now, and we're very close to small businesses, we see them start, we see them grow. The new generation of people of all ages who are starting businesses are starting because they want purpose in their own lives. Mm. So, of course, lots of reasons why people start businesses is because they're maybe dissatisfied at their current job. They see a wrong in society that they want to right. And this is why they're starting out. So even from the beginning, people are saying, actually, I'm starting this business because I want purpose in my life and I want to deliver purpose in the world at large. And then what they're doing is they're working together. So, you know, you all have heard this concept, find your tribe, work in partnership. It is so much more collaborative 
than it ever used to be. And even now, people say, oh, we don't have competition. We have co-opetition. We have frenemies, not enemies. So the I'll language is changing. Oh, this is what the language... I've got a few of those. A few of those. <laughs> is that when you smile at them and then you secretly <laughs> want to just... Not... No, sorry. That's not right, Mary. That's not very kind. <laughs> but collaboration is key. And we've definitely seen that change, Mary. Right. So talk to me. So to, to build the kindness economy, which you believe in, I do, is... We need to get behind these entrepreneurs, which you're doing. And you're part of the MasterCard Strive platform. How? Do, what do you do? How does Enterprise Nation fit in? Yeah, so a couple of ways. And, and MasterCard, it's the Centre for Inclusive Growth. So as, as a vision themselves, they want a more inclusive economy. So one of the issues with small businesses in the UK, it's very good that there's lots of them. So over six million small businesses. What has come because of that is a very fragmented market of support. So we have central government giving business support. We have local councils giving business support. Companies like Enterprise Nation, big corporates have stepped in. Amazing brands like Amazon, Uber, Facebook, delivering free digital training for small businesses. So what that can create is a bit of an issue where a business owner says, well, I want to get support, but wow, where do I go? What do I need? So what do I most need in my business that will help? And then which bit of this support do I trust? Mm -hmm. So one thing that we're building is this concept of a one-stop shop. So can we build a platform where we help small businesses assess where they need support, match them quickly to that support, and hopefully give them such a positive experience that maybe we've helped them access finance and then when that business says, right, I need to hire people now, they come back into that supportive loop to get that. So it's through the Strive programme that we're able to deliver that and essentially kind of reaching out to all those who deliver support to say, let's bring you together on one platform to make it a much easier journey for small businesses who need the support you're offering. And this is a change from the siloed, individualistic way that we used to work. I mean, this is relatively... Do you think that what's happened, you know, with COVID and, and, and the trauma that we've got in the world of the planet and even some of those movements like the Me Too and the Black Lives Matter, that we're all thinking, how can we be better? How can we be more collaborative? Absolutely. And, and businesses need that. So, and bearing in mind, business owners at the moment have had a tough three plus years, Brexit, COVID, cost of living, and these incredibly resilient business owners are quite often saying to us now, the only thing that's carrying me through, the only thing that helps me get up every day and think, can I keep doing it? One is the purpose. So why did I start this business in the first place? And the second is the supportive community they've got around them. And I've seen this so many times that a business owner, and I used to see this a lot when we have physical events, a business owner will come into an event, they'll speak to another business owner and they'll say, oh my goodness, you know, I've had to close my shop. Now I'm reopening my shop, but the, you know, the costs are getting higher and I can't find people. Then the other business owner says, I'm having exactly the same and this is how I dealt with it. And you can visibly see their confidence rise because they're saying to each other, I'm not the only one who's going through these issues. I know. It's just so lonely. And I love this. This is why I really enjoy this, because they end up being the chief exec, the head of marketing, the head of tech, the head of finance. And I've watched them and I've gone on the road and met so many of these businesses. And it just really is a very lonely job. And you're right. You know, truthfully, you just want to feel in any part of life when you're going through a pain barrier that someone else has been through this and they kind of, that empathy is at the heart of it. And just that conversation set on, 
I know. What did you do? Well, we did this. Gives you that hope, doesn't it? It does. And the one thing that I think is a big opportunity for this country, which I'd love it if we could unleash it a little bit more, we have lots of young people starting businesses. So every bit of research you look at says two-thirds of people who are like 16 to 24 say, at some point in my career, I want to start my own business. I want to become my own boss. Just on that, how much has that risen from sort of your generation? Oh, well, if you go back to my... Well, I'm old. If you go back to my no, no, generation... I'm older still, so let's go back. Let's go back. We're back at Fred Flintstone now. He's just started up. Oh, my God. If you go but, back, it would have been maybe 10 to 15%. Right, so we're looking at what's the stat today? So now it's kind of majority, 60 to 70% of kids... Well, kids to me, sorry, yeah, that's probably a derogatory These are my term. kids' age, by the way. Young yeah, people yeah. who are saying, I want to have the freedom and flexibility that comes with being my own boss. What they're brilliant at is digital skills. They're very good at self-promotion. They're very creative. What they may lack purely by the fact of their age is they don't necessarily have business networks or business experience. So at the same time, you've got this wonderful population of people who are 50 plus who maybe have a little bit of time on their hands. (laughs) No bloody time now. You've got no time on your hands either. What are you talking about? There is some cohort. (laughs) And this is interesting. During COVID, one and a half million people disappeared from the UK economy and lots of narrative that says these are mainly people who are 50 plus they were tired they just said i'm i'm out and i'm kind of like oh my goodness how could we get hold of that talent connect it with the young ones and hopefully get the perfect combination love that and some women and some women. Men, women. Let's have some of them i want some of them because i love that wisdom that goes with and we let wisdom go don't we we let wisdom go we do and it's sitting in houses everywhere around this land Do you know what? My sister, she was director of nursing. She had a huge job, so she looked after like thousands of nurses or whatever. And she just retired in her early 60s. And she said to me yesterday, I'm so bored, Mary, I've got to do something. What am I going to do? And I was like, OK, let me think. I thought, I don't need to take that on too much. But she said, I, I just want to do something. I, my brain is just slowing down. And I find that incredible. Right, you've got to do this. This has got to be your next thing. Every business owner would give their right arm for your sister. Logistical yes. skills, Massive. manpower. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. So how are you going to do that, Emma? Sorry, you've done so much. I'm not letting you off this one. <laughs> well, maybe we can work on that together. And, you know, this is this is the one thing I love about technology. And again, I know sometimes technology can get a bad rap. We sit on our phones. No one speaks anymore. The the great benefit of technology is how it does oh, connect. It's, it, no, c- completely. Listen, I, I'm with you on that. Like I was walking through the park the other day and um, I saw these four young girls. It was a beautiful sunny day. I was walking with Walter. It wasn't fast because he's very old now. So I was like doing one step forward, two steps steps back and there were these four young women no more than 18 sitting on a rug and a picnic blanket but every single one of them was on their phone and I just was one of those weird people I went girls and they were just what what's this mad woman and I said would you not want to talk with each other and then I felt bad then because they were embarrassed went, oh sorry and one of them put the phone down oh no don't apologize but I was like whoa that's the worst part of technology and the social media that has makes these young women feel that they've got to be something they're not. But generally, the connectivity on it is insanely brilliant, isn't it? You can put something out there, get a response. And what you're able to do to all those companies through technology is fantastic. And of course, it came You'd have had to be own. an area rep before going out in a car, wouldn't you? And this is a, another lockdown. Again, looking at the positives of things, no one would wish for lockdown again. But what lockdown accelerated that nothing else could have done 
was how technology is being used to deliver support to small businesses. Geography is becoming not as relevant, even though, interestingly, in your world, there's where it's become more relevant in terms of local shopping. There are very strong local communities now, Brilliant. which and the, is great. That's coming back up. I mean, some really good things came out of it, Emma. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Would you have it again? Would you say I'd rather have it than I didn't have it, the COVID happening? And that's a really existential Ooh, question. That is. Um, I would say for the benefits it delivered, I'm, I'm terribly bad at having a one-trap mind when it comes to positives for small businesses. All those that went bust, I would never wish that upon them. Yeah. But the positives it delivered in small businesses having to figure out their finances, rapidly adopt digital technology, in that respect, it did deliver some positives. It's brilliant. I had um, a great little local wine shopping tell what I bought in lockdown and bookshop near me. And um, both of them, and I was like, get it up, harness all your contacts. And they both embraced it for the first time. And it was wonderful. I thought, I am not going to buy a book from Amazon. I don't anyway. But I would get them delivered at my little local bookshop. They would deliver it wrapped in a bit of brown paper. And because I was out in the Cotswolds at the time, they'd put a little piece of grass or a little sort of flower, a bit of lavender on it. And I was like, I am never going anywhere else. This is fantastic. And we're able to get the books in the next day. The wine shop had all my details, know exactly what to drop <laughs> off on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. No. <laughs> One hour service. <laughs> it was fantastic. But this, at the heart of this as well, I think was a, a real... A kind of spiritual awakening for so many of us on how important nature was, how interconnected we all were on a huge global humanity level, that we are all in this. There was something extraordinary about that. And from that came a much greater purpose that you talked about and businesses going, no, I want to do this because, because, rather than I want to do this because I can make a lot of money. Are they more resilient, do you think, purpose-driven startups than the ones that we were seeing before, of which there are many still, I'm sure, short-term? How can I make a quick buck? I think every business owner is resilient because you have to be resilient at the moment to keep going. Those with purpose are very deeper rooted than others. And it goes back to, and Mary, you've been there in terms of when you run a business, and as you say, you're the FD, you're the marketing director, you do everything. That means every day there are different challenges coming at you. And therefore, every day you have to figure out what is it that gets me up to do this every day. And so what we are seeing is businesses that have purpose. So the ones who say things are wrong, I want to write it or I'm serving a certain community. They tend to get up day in, day out to deliver mm -hmm. on their purpose. If you don't have, whether you call it purpose or passion, if you don't have that, it makes it harder to keep going. So we are definitely seeing that. And one of the other things we're seeing, and of course, what really helps businesses keep going is sales coming in, is having a purpose, being a sustainable business, being a for-purpose business, is bringing in customers. Yeah. So you're almost getting it in both positive ways. Business owners, it gives them their reason for being and operating. And customers, it gives them their reason for buying. Yeah. So that helps because you're getting a more healthy business. And so you take that together in this kind of virtuous circle. And that's why businesses are saying, I'll keep going. You know, I have a real, you know, joy on this because I think, well, especially on the retail side, I often talk, I think we're going to see less, but we're going to see better, better, which will create a better world. 
All of this, though, links to the programmes you're running at Enterprise Nation, the one Planet with Purpose. I love that. Just to talk about how you work, how do you educate small businesses on to cut? Is it about educating them on how to be more sustainable and have social impact? It is. It's a couple of things. One, raising awareness of the topic. So again, digital programmes are all around how do we raise awareness of digital capability. Planet with Purpose is raising awareness of it's good to be a sustainable business because it makes you more cost effective as a business, brings in more customers. So it's raising awareness. But then, of course, you can raise awareness with busy business owners and they'll say, well, that's great, but what do you want me to do? So you're right. Education then comes in. So education for us is an element of self-learning. So e-learning, lots of content, definitely showcasing case studies. Business owners love reading about other businesses who've done things. And this is the impact it's been for them. So we showcase lots and lots of businesses, but then also connecting businesses with expert advisors. And actually on the topic of sustainability, because it's such a big societal topic, lots of people are setting up as individual expert advisors on that topic. So our job is how do we encourage small businesses to think about sustainability, give education tools and resources, but also say, if you really want to go deep and become better and paper free and make sure that, you know, you're sourcing sustainable packaging, here are the expert advisors to talk to. And when those expert advisors say you should go to this company, this is really good and they're not full of rubbish. They are true what they say. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen a huge rise just businesses, whether they're sustainable or not, huge rise in the number of companies looking for things like sustainable packaging. And, And again, just an interesting thing for the UK, businesses who were importing, looking at, do I need to offshore to China or could I onshore production to the UK? Hopefully the rise again of the manufacturing God, sector in the UK. made me just so happy. <laughs> I did a show once where I opened up a knicker factory. I don't know if you ever saw it. And I brought manufacturing back and created knickers. I called them kinky knickers. And it was amazing. But the, the problem that we had was I couldn't find the seamstresses to train the skills. So I had to go around Tesco's and find these women who were, honestly, seriously, I sat outside. They wouldn't wouldn't come out and support me. So I waited till they came out from work after stacking shelves and said, come and work with me. They go, no, no, it won't come back, Mary. And I think it will. I mean, not to the extent that we're seeing, but really what sort of pro- what sort of stuff are you seeing that's starting to be manufactured back here shoes fashion yeah. fashion is a big one and yeah. i guess in in terms of sustainability where business owners look to is where we consume the most so fashion as you say yeah. that's one of the first ones because what drives those founders is if it's higher quality people will throw out less they will wear this more so shoes uh, you know coming back to nottingham would be an amazing brilliant. thing brilliant brilliant <laughs> yeah. we do you know that we i always thought it was the italians that made the best shoes and we are it's us yeah. so take that <laughs> take that italy take that italy <laughs> You can sit with some of your food, but not our shoes. No, 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 you don't have none of that. Honestly, it was our shoes. It was some of the best made in the mm. world. And I know, like, so like Grenson, he started up. He was a guy who was in the advertising world, and he bought the old factory, and it was called Greens, and he calls it Grenson, and they're beautiful, utterly beautiful. Mm. So a little bit more premium. There you buy less. It lasts longer. And, um, yes, and if it's being pumped out offshore, it probably isn't a purpose-driven business. Um I've talked at length, well, we've both talked about the pros and cons of remote working. And the positives, actually, what's come out of that is now giving people who have, you know, previously locked out of the market due to their locations. But what are the tools or infrastructure that you think is still missing that we need to work on to enable people really to succeed? What would be those key things that you say, 
this would really help. Or I'm seeing this and this is what we're working with people on. Well, I think it's going back to localities again, actually, is bringing people together in their locality. And this is a very physical kind of point. But as a company, for instance, we have an office in central London. But very few people are kind of coming into central London. So, so how, well, how many of your staff would be outside central London? Well, so the, of the 45, I've probably got 15 who are central London. And then I've got Brighton, Shoreham, Manchester, wow. Lithuania, Bucharest, but we went in wow. Maidenhead. And therefore... Maidenhead. What? Bucharest, Maidenhead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is the beauty, as you say, of the global workforce. From Maidenhead to Bucharest, you can access talent. <laughs> and I think what... And I've heard this from the team is that what they would love is co-working on a local basis. And I think this is an interesting look at space on the high street. Yes, I'm so sorry to keep I. on bringing on. No, this come back on, to no, you. No, I'm with you. Because actually one of my key things, and I know what you're going to come to, is that I don't believe the high street's just about selling. The Agreed. high street's about a social infrastructure. This is what I wrote in my high street report, and they went like, oh, what, government? High street is a social infrastructure to feed our needs, that we should be able to get most of our needs within a 15-minute walk or cycle of where we live. I fundamentally believe that, whether that's well-being, whether that's working space, whether that's doctor surgeries, whether that's whatever. So tell me. So I agree with you. So one of the things I'm watching with interest, and I mentioned Mark Dixon, we just before, the likes of the co-working space providers are now looking at retail space. So they mm. are saying, can we put workspace on the high street? If you look at um, banks who are emptying their branches, one of the things we're talking to banks about is can we turn them into business support hubs? So, as you beautiful. say, people can beautiful access support. But buildings they all had as well, weren't they? The beautiful banks? buildings yeah. and, of course, very secure because they yeah. held all the cash in there. So I think what individuals are looking for, because beautifully they're staying closer to home for three-plus days mm. per week, mm. as you say, they're looking for those amenities that they used to come mm. into the city for. So I think that would help because then you get out of the home, you meet a local network. So, again, very strong... Um, for kind of connections at a local level. So I think that helps. And just the other thing about hybrid workforces, just goes back to an earlier comment, how do you build a company culture when you're not seeing people all the time? And that is getting tougher because it's, and again, back to purpose-driven businesses, founders will start a business because of the passion for what they want to do. What you then try and do as a founder is hopefully recruit people who share that mission with you and together you go on that journey. Yeah. If you're not in touch with each other in physicality day in, day out, it can be hard for your team members to remember what is this mission we're on? Are we doing well? Do we really support the right things? So, but I think also even physically being in the right space. Like I go into my office a couple of days a week, and I'm you know going on about stuff that's in my soul and my heart, and I'm trying to get on. But everybody's kind of imbibing that. Do you know what I mean? And then I see someone in the corner, like yesterday, I was doing a meeting. I said, "What's the matter? Why aren't you?" She said, "Oh, I've just had a bit of a rough day." Now you wouldn't get that, right? So then you're into, "Oh, okay, what's happened?" How then you see the other team members sort of pulling in together, and it starts to build this culture that you talk about. We have to hold on to this. So, uh, so tell me how you're approaching that. Well, and the other thing we have to be careful of is, and again, with my team, they're quite young. We have to be very careful that you yeah. haven't got a young person sitting at home in shared property accommodation going deep into their anxious problems. And therefore, one of the things we say is come out of that environment, yeah. come into a social environment. That's, that's one that I was talking about this this morning because highest level of depression that we've ever seen in that age group. As Completely. Well. Yeah. And so it's kind of to try and get perspective. So the way in which we deal with it, and I mentioned this kind of over-communication, and, and this does sound over-communicative, 
but every morning I send a note to all of the team. So we have this one email address called Orlien, which goes to everyone. And I started this during lockdown because we couldn't see each other. Every morning I'd just send a little email about something that was happening in the business, a new joiner, a birthday of somebody from the team, and I've just kept it going. So every morning I send that out, apart from a Wednesday when it goes over to the team and they do something called creative sharing. We're trying to meet every quarter. So we've also got people in Ireland, as I mentioned, Lithuania, Bucharest. So we try and come together physically every quarter to do something very social so that the team get to know each other. We meet online every Monday for what we call a stand-up. So I guess my response to how do we continue to build a culture we're a first growth company, so how do you keep momentum is just lots of communication. And always saying to the team, the office network is available and open for you if you want to come out. And I think everyone's still learning, but for now, we're trying to embrace technology, speak often and saying, you know, try and come out a couple of days a week. A real blend, yeah. We do um, little things and we also take it into the personal level sometimes. So three things that got me here and we everybody has to share where they came from, what they did, their family and my we've got wow didn't know that about you that was wonderful that's kind of cute as well to put on it because that that is the stuff that you would you talk about when you're having a coffee upstairs isn't it, it you is. know when you're making the cup of coffee together and if i think when i had a first job before i started my company so again long time ago i used to work for an accounting firm called arthur anderson one of the big corporates what was that like it was well it was phenomenal <laughs> and the story of arthur anderson which you probably know mary is it actually sadly went bust because it had an accounting scandal with an oil company called Enron. But the five years I did there, I thought it was a phenomenal company. And, and the kind of, I mean, I don't think it was ever publicly said was the motto of Arthur Anderson, but the kind of thing that we were brought up on was kind of work hard, play hard. So you would go yeah. into the office, you do your work, but then as a team, like four nights a week, we were all out together getting to know each other. And of course, what that builds as a sense of camaraderie is when the going gets tough, it's kind of like a sports team. You all come together and you've got each other's yeah, backs. So yeah. it's just how do you keep that yeah. going? We're in this together. We're in this together. It's wonderful. For business owners who are listening, how can they then get involved in Enterprise Nation? Yeah, so if you come onto the platform, we have what's called a diagnostic. So this essentially helps a business owner assess the part of their business that needs support. So that was enabled through Strive. And then once a business knows the support they need, we keep them racked into this supportive loop and hopefully give them all the content and resource they're looking for. Visit enterprisenation.com, all available there. There we are. <laughs> Lovely little sign off from Emma. Brilliant to talk to you today. And for more on how Strive UK could help your business, visit mastercard.co.uk slash strive. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Emma. And you know what I've loved on both of these podcasts? It's been women. Just saying. Just saying.